0: I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Time to time, I ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to, to, uh, to help me keep it real this morning. Because I, I, I've done this thing where you've gone to church and you've, you've worn your mask. You've come in your cape and your, and your tights and the S on your chest. And you look the part and even talk the part. But internally, there's something else happening. I want to talk to real people. As we started last week on the story of Lazarus, who has fallen ill, we we see that Jesus uh, receives a message from Martha saying, uh, Lord, the one that you love is ill. She doesn't pose a question. She doesn't give him an inquiry as to what he'll do. What she does is she appeals to his heart, his relationship. The one that you love is ill. And Jesus responds by saying, don't worry, this illness, it will not end in death. He sends that message back as a a promise. Don't worry, this illness that has befallen your dear brother will not end in death. Imagine being Martha or Mary and the cousins and Ray Ray and Bubba and them, hearing this message from Jesus. This illness will not end in death. And all of a sudden, your brother dies. His breath is taken from him. The color leaves his skin. And the call for the mortuary. Your brother has died. You've been following Jesus. You've been obeying Jesus. You've seen Jesus heal the blind, the lame, the sick. And now when it was your turn, Jesus has not come through. But but, but it's, it's, not, it's not too late because, see, we heard about how Jesus raised a little girl from death to life. We, we heard that story, right? We heard about how one time in, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is entering a town called Nain, and as he's entering, uh, 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 there's a funeral procession that's leaving the town, and, and Jesus goes up in the coffin and breaks every religious ceremonial law and touches the coffin, and that dead boy comes to life, and the funeral is immediately over. We heard that story. But the the difference here is that when when that happened, maybe the person was dead for a day. Maybe they were dead for two days. But our text today tells us that when when Jesus came in verse 17, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Four days have passed. It was custom to them to believe that if a person is dead for four days, their spirit has completely left this earthly plane. Everyone who is gathered at this point is not expecting a miracle. The case has been closed. The coroner has been called. This is over. Text goes on in verse 18 says, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. And I'll pause there real quick to tell you about the Jews. Was Martha a Jew? Yes. Was Jesus a Jew? Was Lazarus a Jew? So whenever you see the Jews being mentioned specifically, what they're trying to tell us is that these are the teaching class, the ruling class of the Jews, that the Pharisees, scribes, and the teachers of the law have come from Jerusalem. Why would they come to a funeral in Bethany all the way from from Jerusalem? It says many of them came. The reason why is because Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, well, let's just say that they had some deep pockets. They were a prominent family, I mean, there were probably these Jews, but they were like, you know what, this man has died, I wonder if there was a will. We're here to pray for you. They come to console Martha and Mary. We don't know what their motives are completely, but but it tells us that Martha and Mary's family was, was a prominent one. So when Martha, verse twenty, When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Four days have passed. Day one. Martha's probably saying to, to, to Mary, Mary, don't worry, maybe Jesus will show up and we'll see another name uh, type of miracle. Maybe, maybe Jesus will show up and he'll do like he did to the little dead girl and Jairus' daughter, remember that story? Maybe Jesus will do that. Day two comes around and they're just kind of pacing like, oh man, Jesus, if, if he had been here, if he had been here, maybe this would have not taken place. Day three passes and now day four has come. Some of you have come to church today and you're on day four. You're on day four. If Jesus had been there when the marriage was a little bit rocky, perhaps, maybe, you'd still be married. If Jesus had been there when, when, when the court had ruled on the, on the foreclosure, maybe you'd still have the house. All of us live in this expectation gap where, where we're believing and, and, we, and we, we have this knowledge of, of what God can do, but then we face our reality. I, I want to talk to real people. We know what we know because we went to our Baptist approved memory verses, all the promises in the scriptures. We've sung all the songs. We've praised it. We've done all that we can. But then we face our reality. And our reality tells us if God had acted. He's done it for everyone else. But when it came to me, it was as if he was playing duck, duck, goose. And what I want to challenge you on is what you know, what you perceive as reality, and what is truth. What you know, what you perceive as reality, and what is truth. There's a difference between reality and truth. There's a difference between what you know and what the truth is. There's a difference between the facts and the truth. The text tells us that. Mary says to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So right there, she's explaining the reality of Jesus. Had you been here, you, something would have happened because whenever you're around, people don't die. But you left us hanging. And now my brother is dead. And then she says what she knows. But even now, everyone say, but even now. I'll Say it with a British accent. But even now, <laughs> but even now, whatever you ask of God, you'll receive. Right there, what we're seeing, Martha, is really articulating what she knows. Sometimes we say things that our hearts are not connected to. You, you, you follow what I'm saying? Can I go a little bit deeper? Yes, life sucks. <laughs> but I trust God. <laughs> Glory to God. I'm, just, I'm giving Him the praise. <laughs> praise Him in the good times and in the bad times. That's what I was taught. Mama taught me good. She took me to church every Sunday. And your faith gets stuck on if. Your growth. In your walk with Jesus, Chris, get stuck on if. Yes, I know he's a good God. If he'd have acted. Mary and Martha say the same thing. I I know whatever you you ask from God, God will give you. And then Jesus, in verse 23, what he does is that he he gives her the truth. He says, uh, it says, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And that's good news for somebody. "Your, Your brother will rise. This is the truth. I want you to receive and accept and embrace Martha, right now in this dark moment when you're weeping the loss of your brother, it's the fourth day, the case has been closed, and everything is over, but I want you to know that your brother will rise again. Your situation will rise again. Your emotions will rise again. The thing that they said that they've taken away from you and it will never come back, it will rise again. Jesus says this truth to her, and Martha's response is a nice Christian response yes I know then in the last day there will be a resurrection I believe it I've, I've done way too many funerals been around people who are hurting and sometimes all you can share with them is a word of encouragement of consolation like one day you'll meet them again but that future hope does not speak to their right now. That future statement, that that nice Christian narrative of of what we put our hope to does not speak to their right now. And and, and so sometimes I'll just sit there with my mouth shut and, and my heart open to God like, God, please, is there something more that will speak to their situation right now? See, Jesus came to this funeral, but he didn't come like everyone else who was crying. He came to let her know, your brother will rise again. She thought it was future he was speaking of right now. He was speaking of right now. Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Then Jesus says to her in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet will he live. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection. You know, here's the thing. Scott, I got to let you go like this. If you're sick, right, you don't need WebMD.com. You don't need a medical uh, periodical. When you're on your sick bed, you don't need that. What you need is a doctor. If you're getting sued, Angelina, you don't need me to give you a law book. You need a lawyer. When you're facing death, I don't need to give you a book filled with doctrine, is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I am the living doctrine of all that you believe to. I'm not going to give you a narrative that is found in your Sunday school lesson, but I am going to draw you to the person that I am. I am the resurrection and the life. See, Martha and Mary and all the Jews of their day, the Pharisees at least, had believed that, yes, there will be a resurrection in the future. They had read about it in the Psalms and in the teachings of the prophets, but at this point, Jesus says, listen, I'm going to take the doctrine that you've read about, that you believe, and I'm going to turn it into a person that you can see and believe and touch and feel that is the difference of our faith. Our faith is not stuck on periodicals and paper. Our faith is found in believing in the person of Jesus Christ who turned the event into himself, who turned the life and the essence into himself. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. The truth is, I am the resurrection and the life. What you know is is that the resurrection is in the future. Your reality is that your brother's dead right now, but the truth is that if you believe in me, I am the resurrection and the life. Then he goes on and he gives a concept that is, that's twofold. He says, and everyone who lives and believes in me, yet, uh, everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He says, whoever believes in me, though he died, yet shall he live. And that's speaking about resurrection. But then he says, something else happens at the moment of belief. At the moment of belief, if you believe in me, at that point, death is no longer a reality for you. Death is no longer something that you can cling think to as a real knowledge. Because your truth, once you're in Jesus Christ, is that your life never ceases. You receive eternal life. See, here's the thing about eternal life. What does it mean to be eternal? Not a trick question. It's kind of like the song that goes on and on. You guys know that song? I won't, I won't put it into your heart because you can going sing it all day. Thank you. This is a song that doesn't end. This thing goes on and on. You're welcome call me on Tuesday when you're still singing it. Eternal life. Once you step out of, once you go to belief, you step out of death and you step into life. And so Jesus is saying, the moment you believe in me, if you take this word at that moment, you step out of death and into life. And your reality is forever changed. What you know has to come and surrender to the truth of who he is responds and says, yes, I believe, Lord. I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she said this, verse 28, when she said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her Saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, "Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have to die." When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. We see the same words from two different women but two different responses. Martha came and had a dialogue. Mary could only utter those few words and then weep. And Jesus meets them both at their need. You guys with me so far? He meets them exactly where they're at. And and, and the text tells us that when he sees her weeping, it says that he was deeply moved. Now, the thing about the English language is that the English language tries to make it pretty for the nice people who live in uh, Fontana, I believe. Good loving Christian people. It says that he was deeply moved. It almost sounds sophisticated. When Jesus saw them weeping, he was deeply moved. When's the last time you told someone that they were deeply moved? The actual Greek word that's used there is a Greek word that is emro mao which means that when Jesus saw them, he gasped the actual literal translation of the word is horse snort. He gave out a gasp of exasperation. He was completely moved and and, and, and beside himself. The word means that he was indignant. I believe that his indignation, indignation came from the ravages of sin and its effect on people that he loved. I believe that his compassion came from a heart that was broken. See, so here's, here's the thing about it, is that a lot of us, we, 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 we fall in love with people, and, and, and we, we may have known them for, for two months and, and three months, and then we, we, we ask them to marry us. Praise the Lord. Uh, maybe take a little bit more time. I don't know. I don't know. I know. It's not a dating and marriage sermon. And then we begin a life together and maybe we experience loss and, and that loss becomes the end of the world for us. But when I look at the scriptures, what I find is that God is a God who has known us, according to Psalm 139, before we even was. Is that good English? Does it come communicate Before we we were even a thought in our parents' mind, before our parents met each other at at, at, at in and out and decided to go to a date at the Regal Theater and and he bought her flowers and they they kind of wilted before he got there, but she was okay with it because before any of that happened, In eternity past, God was looking at your life and caring for your life and loving you and and knowing your story, but he also had grace that he was providing for you. He knew that there would be a time where your heart would be broken. He knew that there would be a time when everything would be shifted in your life and you'd feel as if your world was falling apart, but God knew that he would send his son to redeem you. So sometimes when we mourn, we have to look at the heart of God. And God is more than deeply moved. I remember my, 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 my baby sister, my, my baby sister's 18 years younger than I am, so you know when you're 18 years younger, you know, apart it's, di- it's a different relationship than with the one that's five years apart. The one that's five years apart got picked on. Y'all need to hug Nikki next time you see her every science experiment and food invention that I've come up with, she tasted. It's only macaroni!
1: With a lot of Tylenol.
0: (laughs) And dirt. I remember my, my baby sister, I remember one time we, uh, I, I, my parents got her something and, and I'd watch her go play with her, her friends and as she goes and plays with her friends she, she had a new dress on and I saw, I could kind of make out the words that were being spoken and I knew that her friends, quote unquote friends had told her that her dress was ugly and I saw her head sink and I wanted to come out of that house and let those little funios know that she has an older brother. But I also had to stay inside the house, because she was going to learn some lessons of development through that experience that would make her stronger. I believe that God sometimes looks at her life and he says, "Lightning and thunder right now." however. This is going to grow your faith. This is going to develop you. This is going to make you come out as pure gold. Does that make sense to someone? Jesus was deeply moved. The next text tells us that, that, that he asks and says, Where have you laid him? And they tell him, they take him to the tomb, and when he approaches the tomb, this is where the story just kind of seems like it's, man, this doesn't make sense, John. Why'd you write it this way? Because I know that when they first got the message from the messenger that Lazarus was ill, Jesus said, don't worry, this illness does not end in death. He knows what he's going to do. He's going to be glorified through it. The Father's going to be glorified through it. When he gets over there, he says, I am the resurrection.'" life. you believe. And I believe that in his divinity he felt a great sorrow. That's why in Isaiah they could call him the man of sorrows. That's why Hebrews can say that he is a God who's well acquainted with all of our, our feelings, all of our sorrows. He knows in a deeper way everything we go through. He looked at that tomb and I believe that every measure of love. I believe that he understood the sickness of death in a deeper way. And he looked and his friend Lazarus is in there. And in a moment, after one sentence is uttered out of his mouth, he's going to wake him up. But he paused in a second. Just a quick moment to cry and weep. It says, Jesus wept. If you ever have gone through something and if you wonder, God, do you care? I want you to know that he's wept over you. And he's felt everything you felt in a deeper way and he's loved you with an endless love before time began. says so Jesus wept and he turns to Martha and says, "Martha, take away the stone." Martha the sister, verse 39, Martha the sister of of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus says, Take away the stone. What is harder, rolling away a stone or raising someone from the dead? Stone part. I, I, I look at this. I'm like, why did Jesus just do some Matrix stuff, man? I mean, like, you know, just some Neo, like, you know, that's how I make it sound at you least. Know? Instead, he, he tells them take away the stone. He tells Martha, take away the stone. At that point, Martha goes into a panic. Uh, He smells bad, Lord. It's been four days. See, the Jews do not believe in embalming fluids. They'll put some aromas and spices to cover up the smells and perfumes, but they'll never believe in actual formula. I don't even know how to say the word. Yeah, the high stuff. <laughs> and so Martha's like, nah, are you sure you want to do this? The disciples are like, oh gosh, we're about to be embarrassed. This is just not what we signed up for. The Jews are here. We're in trouble. Peter, go talk to him. Take away the stone. He calls humanity to respond in faith and belief. Roll away the stone. Martha's like, are you sure? Martha just said that I believe, but now her statement of saying I believe is going from reality and what she knows accepting and embracing and immersing herself in the truth of who God is right now. Roll away the stone. So they roll the, the stone away. You guys with me so far? They roll the, the stone away. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? No one that's there, like I said before, no one that's in this audience in this experience here is expecting a miracle. Everyone however is about to see a miracle. Only those who believe get to see glory. I'll say that again. Everyone saw a miracle, but those who had immersed their faith and believed in Jesus got to see a glimpse of God's glory. Jesus. Begins to pray and says, so they took, it says, verse 41, they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The actual words are Lazarus out Here. The thing about the name Lazarus is that Lazarus is a common name in that, in that, in that place, in that area. It's, it's sort of like Jesus going to, to Tijuana and saying, One! <laughs> Ven aqui! <laughs> it's like Jesus going to Orange County and saying, Tyler! just said, come out! Hundreds of dead bodies would have popped out. But he says, Lazarus. He calls Lazarus by name. And the thing about it is that earlier, a few months ago, when we were in John chapter 6, 7, and 8, we learned that, that, that Jesus says that my sheep know my voice and I call them and they hear me. At that moment when Jesus said, Lazarus, Lazarus heard his master's voice and said, this is my moment. This is my moment. And and in one moment, the the blood vessels that had dried up, the the muscles that had atrophied and all the bones that were wasting away, came back to life. And he began hopping out. Daniel, yes, he did. The rest of us who live in the real world would have been like, "Holy!" Amen. We have never seen anything like this. The story goes on, and says that when, when when Lazarus came forth, he was still bandaged up in his burial wrappings. And Jesus said to the people, he says, untie him, unbind him, and let him go. (laughs) Man, so much. Maybe in the year 2023, I'll come back and just preach on that. Unbind him and let him go. The thing is that some of us can get raised. From the deadness of our sin but we need other people to come and take off the trappings of our death so we can truly walk in the freedom that he's called us to. The thing is, is the truth about the stories that all of us represent Lazarus. All of us do. The effects of sin is that we are born into death there comes a moment when Christ calls us by name and we spiritually come to life. The thing about it is that there are many of us who are here this morning and you came for many different reasons. You come from very different stories There's a thread that is true, is that all of us have been disappointed at one point in life. All of us have stood in the expectation gap and felt as if God did not deliver on time. And after one too many experiences like this, we create a stone over our heart. my appeal to you is to roll away your stone. Roll away your stone of disappointment. Roll away your stone of hurt. Roll away your stone of the promises you believe were not fulfilled. Roll away the stone of your pride. Some of you are thinking to yourself, no, 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 you don't understand, Pastor Jonathan. I have been in this dead place for a long time. If I come out, I will scare all the people of Relevant churches with the stench of my sin. Greatest breakthrough of your life. If God can speak to you specifically and call you by name. Where are you, Lazarus? Are you willing to allow that stone to be rolled away today? That He may call your name and that you may be raised to life. Today could be your day of salvation. Today could be your day of stepping out of death and into life. Today could be your day of stepping out of unbelief and into belief. Today could be the beginning of eternal life. Today could be the day where you leave what you call reality and what you know and enter His truth. Today could be the day but you must roll away the stone. so you may hear his voice and turn to him I'm going to pray and I'm going to tell you about some next steps God, I thank you for this moment you brought us to this place together for this moment There are some in this place who need to experience you in a deeper way There's a Lazarus here that you have loved. There's a Lazarus here, someone who thinks that it's been too long. It's been four days and nothing can happen. But you're a God of miracles. You're a God of glory. And right now, Lord, by your spirit, we roll away the stone. And we open up our hearts that you may call us by name. whoever it is in this house, in this building this this morning, wherever you are, God is calling you. He has known you. He has loved you with an endless love. And today He's calling you. He's calling you to come to life. And in that life, you will not be left alone to just kind of hop around in your dead clothing, but He's going to wrap you around a family that will help you Walk out of freedom. And that's why this church exists. If that person is you, right now, just lift up a hand wherever you're at. Come on. Lift up a hand. I see your hand over there. God bless you. I see your hand over there. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, God. You may put your hand down. Thank you, Jesus, for the souls you've saved. Amen. Today we, uh, we also get to celebrate what Jesus has commanded us to do once we've made that calling and election our own. He calls us to be baptized. I'll tell you about my story about when I got baptized. I, uh, I grew up in a church where when you turn the age of 13, it's just customary that everyone at that age gets baptized. I waited until I was 13 and a half. Everyone thought I was a heathen. Have you heard? Jonathan Belima is not baptized yet. He's 13 and a half going to hell straight up. (laughs) Parents were going to let me play with their kids. Like, no, 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 no. Get baptized. I got baptized. I had to recite the beliefs of that church I grew up in. I had to tell them that I promised not to do this. I promised to do this. I promised to make sure that I'm in church on this date, I made all these promises. But internally, I never believed. Jesus hadn't captured my heart. I was doing it to be religious. I was doing it because it was tradition. Later on, I think I was about the age of 28, Jesus captures my heart, and I fall in love with him. He saves me. And, and and I start just I'm excited about what, what God is doing, and I'm just excited about the gospel, and I'm sharing my faith, and, and then ne- the next thing he does, the tragic thing, he calls me to ministry. That's why I'm here. You're welcome. And I start serving at a church, I'm on the pastoral team at a church, and and we're having baptism, and, and someone comes up to me and excited, you know, those young believers who just got saved like a week ago. They're just excited. They've got the Bible with all the bookmarks in it, you know. And he comes up to me and says, "Pastor Jonathan, man, I'm getting baptized. When did you get baptized?" I was like, "Oh, I was about 13 and a half years old." Really? Wow. When did you get saved? Oh, I was about 28 years old. And they look at me and says, "That doesn't make sense." And I was like, "Listen, I've been a Christian way longer than you. I'm just fine. I don't want to get my hair wet. That's what God made me bald." But it, the thought lingered. I was like, "Wait a minute! I got baptized before I got saved." And biblically, what happens is that you experience God touching your heart. You respond to Him in faith. And then you get baptized. I'm like, where did I get this twisted around? So we were in Israel at the Jordan River and I baptized 200 of my friends that afternoon. And after it was all said and done, I turned to my pastor. I said, Pastor, I need to be baptized too as a Christian, not as a religious person. Many of us here, Maybe you got baptized into a religion, but your faith came at a later date. And I want to invite you into Christian baptism. If you gave your life to the Lord this morning, join us this afternoon in getting baptized. We, we, we pulled a miracle just for you. Jesus turned water to wine, and just for you, we're doing Chick-fil-A on Sunday. join us in being baptized. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing in this church, what you're doing in the hearts of people. I thank you that you raise us to life. I thank you that that even though sin was stronger, you're stronger. That even though our shame was great, our decay was great, our stench was very bad, you gave us the aroma of your grace, and you poured it out on us that we may be raised to life, to new.